Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to the Ungenius Podcast. I'm Brendan. Uh, long time no see to those who have already listened to the first two episodes. It's been quite a while. Sorry about that. That's just been down to me being very, very lazy. <laughs> so, yeah, whoopsie. But I'm back, and I believe that episodes now will be sort of once every other week, really. A nice little uh, break period in between them, you know, just kind of level out, make it a bit more chill. And welcome, welcome to first-time listeners. Welcome. I hope you uh, listen, enjoy this episode. I hope you listen to the other episodes. And um, that's about it, really. That's an intro. That's a that's a good intro. Forty seconds. Wicked. But yeah, <laughs> to to begin today's episode, we're going to be looking at porn, the general porn. Now, I think I think before I I begin, with, let's let's define porn here. Okay. So I think porn. What I want to define it as really for this episode is just is just. Material that is purely for the purpose of arousal. Okay, you can't. We're not calling porn something like if you look at the Mona Lisa and you get a bit randy because of it, right? We're not getting a bit raucous from looking at paintings and stuff like that. It depends on the painting, really. If the painting, its purpose was to arouse and is purely erotic, then sure, go ahead, knock yourself out. That's porn for us. But I'm I'm splitting I'm splitting this sort of how we're looking at porn and its effects and changes over three different aspects that I think are quite important. So first of all, what we're going to be talking about is the physical, the physical aspect of porn use. We're going to be bringing up, bringing in some guys like the psychologist Philip Philip Zimbardo. We're going to be looking at Norman Deutsch, psychiatrist, uh, anti, not an anti-porn, but sort of like a what would you call him, like a, an education guy. Yeah, that's that's the official term. Education guy from Texas called Gabe Dean. He was a, he is a recovering porn addict. We're going to be talking about him a bit. And we're just with that. We're going to be looking at sort of like what uh, prolonged porn use uh, does to the body. Bit of a side note, bit of a warning here. It's kind of mainly more about males for that kind of thing, like the the physical changes. Psychological, you can kind of apply to men and women. I think uh, I don't think there's too much difference on the psychology there. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be looking at those guys. Uh, we're going to be looking at some misconceptions of porn use, uh, what people say, and why there are some changes, etc., etc. Then we're going to be looking at the cultural aspect of things. We're going to be looking at a brief, a brief history of porn use. You know, the forms of porn, what's happened, just very surface level stuff to kind of sk- like a whistle stop tour of porn, the history of porn from around the eighteen, the seventeen, eighteen hundreds to now. Then we're going to be looking more in detail at the this whole modern idea of porn. It's going to give you some statistics, something to think about, try relate to the physical aspects of of porn use. And then we're going to be, with the culture thing, we're going to be looking at, you know, why why do certain people agree with porn? Why do certain people disagree with porn? You know, who's saying what, this, that, and the other. You know, so we're going to have some political ideas. And, and that that side of things is going to be based more on, like, sort of principles. You know, here are the principles. This is why these guys would not want you to use porn. Here are why these guys think you should use porn. Or just, you know, yeah, just use porn or whatever. Like. So just going to get right in. Let's talk about Gabe Dean. So Gabe Deem is a counselor for kids and teens in Irving, Texas. He's a re- recovering porn addict, as I said, and he kind of goes around schools and be like, "Hey, howdy, kids! Let's uh, let's maybe not uh, beat you mean as much, really." <laughs> yeah, so pretty much. So a little bit, a little bit about him. Um, so what he, so what he kind of uh, talks about is just sort of his his dealings with porn, what he was seeing, and stuff like that. So, so he. He kind of his his perspective of porn use is that sort of the initial teaching from sexologists and the media was that porn can be sex positive 
and it increases your sex life and it can even spice up the bedroom. That's kind of where he was coming from. He's like, okay, the media and sexologists and all these guys are like porn's fine. Just, just, just go at it. Go crazy. Go stupid. Go mental. You know that kind of thing. Uh, a little bit about him as well that he brings up in the in the future that kind of relates to a, a topic uh, just later on that we'll be talking about as well is that his in his family and his his history um, there are like no pre existing conditions of addiction he didn't have any addictions previous to that nothing in the family and the whole reason he used porn so much was because he liked it that's like it that was his reason for it and it's, and so he started to masturbate eight uh, eight years old. I think I can't remember what his story was. I think he saw a magazine. Um, from one of his, I think it was a hustler magazine. Started to masturbate at the age of eight. Then around the the age of ten, uh, MTV rocked up. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, MTV rocked up when he was ten. Uh, this kind of links to the culture of things, you know, like uh, obviously uh, music videos and stuff like that. As we know, are are pretty sexualized in modern in sort of modern and popular culture it's very sexualized scene mtv you go on mtv look at music videos they're all a bit sexual songs nowadays are very sexualized so when he was 10 you know he saw that was like ooh, that's pretty raunchy that's cool you know and then when he got a bit older when he was around 12 high speed internet came in and that means a lot of porn he's getting loads now there is like a, a constant stream of porn he's getting now and that, and that to him, what he was saying about was it's at that point in time when he was 12, 13, early teens, just like excessive porn use was just a part of teen culture. You know, teens, we just, you just kind of accept, you know, they, um, they just kind of use porn. That's just the accepted thing. Like, yeah, you, everyone uses porn. Like, why not? You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, they, they'd actually help each other out. They'd like share notes in class about different websites, you know. Um, and that, that kind of links to the culture kind of thing as well. It's a very accepted culture. And we're, we're going to be looking at sort of why it might be like that. Why why is everyone so sort of, sort of not very, people aren't very much sort of, uh, they don't really hide, hide it anymore. They're sort of, there's a very sexual liberated, sexually liberated sort of atmosphere nowadays in today's culture. So we're looking at that as well. Uh, more culturing but this is just about his perspective his experiences of porn and the the one thing he highlights as well is that there was no shame with the porn use you know so there was no there's no sort of regrets uh no sort of you know problems with it or anything like that and so anyway so fast forward a bit from his early teens he's now in his 20s early 20s he was around 23 at this point and he was saying how he, he, he became more fixated on porn than actual relationships and the thing he points out here as well is that, um, sort of when when he's talking about this, when he's talking about people caring more about porn than actual relationships, it's it's kind of subconscious. It's a very subconscious thing, you know. People aren't just like like they don't just love like watching porn all the time and and whatever, whatnot, stuff like that. They it's just kind of a subconscious thing, you know. Like, I think they're not like celebrating at the fact that they prefer porn over real people. It's just it just becomes a preference, becomes a preferable option than actual relationships and stuff and stuff like that. And we're going to get into the the sort of psychology and the sort of neuroscientific reasons for that, with to do with the brain and how how sort of porn use affects the mind at an early age and why that's really important. 
And so, and so he, he brings up the fact when he was 23, he couldn't get an erection when he was um, about to have sex with a woman that he really liked. And he, he struggled with that for a long time for erectile dysfunction. We're going to be talking about how that props up what are the stages of the physical problems of porn use. And so, and so what it, what it, what, what he, how he described it was that it was, it was an alien experience to him. You know, he's seen so much porn, he's been watching loads of porn. And the experience of real sex compared to porn, it was a completely different experience. It was completely alien. And that kind of ties in with the, the sort of neuroscience of it as well. So we're going to be looking at, at that too. So, and he, he brings up again, there are very real physical consequences to porn use. You know, this isn't, this is the, this isn't a, um, a completely sort of consequence-free thing that people are doing it and this is and he wants to raise this as well because his main point is education because when he was young sexologists sex ed the media were like yeah just do it it's fine just you know whack it why not no diggity that kind of thing so yeah so and then he on his talk this was like a talk that he had with some students i think he, he begins to go and do misconceptions so looking at the first conception misconception here and uh, number one People addicted always have some pre-existing issue that drove them to porn. So, so it, this is this is a misconception. He's, he says because because adolescent teens will naturally find porn interesting. You know, with hormones and stuff like that. It's not. It's it's not like it's not like this sort of thing that you that has to be a problem with you before you you do it. You know, you, the porn is going to be a very clearly interesting thing to a young adolescent teen male or female you know you got hormones puberty this is sort of like the peak sexual like uh moment of a person's lifetime you know like the teens the the very high fertility hormones that kind of thing if you see porn if you see sexual things you're gonna be like yeah i want that no so so and again with with adolescents as well, adolescent brains are more susceptible to addiction, uh, addiction related brain changes. You know, so and this is all this is all due to the sort of development, the, the stuttering. <laughs> Whoops, uh, this is due do 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 You know, trying to get that out. This is due to the um, the frontal lobe uh, of the brain. You know the. The, the neurons of the brain don't fully, they develop from back to front. And the, the frontal lobe of the brain is where decisions are made, where you sort of decide stuff. And this is this is really why teenagers make stupid decisions, you know. What are some stupid decisions teenagers make? You know, um, staying up late, drinking Monster Red Bull, playing video games, making a podcast. Who would do that? So, so yeah, the frontal lobe doesn't fully develop until you're 25. I, my previous... Um, knowledge that i thought it was around 20 21 25 so yeah pretty close thing so the whole the 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 neurons have to build up from the from the back to the front and this uh this is a problem and so because the the sort of neural networks aren't fully developed they're not as solidified not as strong it's very easy to rewire them to addictive pathways i think is what he's getting at there okay so so what this happens as well is that um it makes the brain more vulnerable to sensitization and other brain changes. So, and sensitization is the quality or connection of responding to certain stimuli in a sensitive manner. Okay, so, so what's basically saying there is that the brain is going to be more vulnerable to sort of um, 
stimuli and and sort of um, media that uh, gets you hooked on things that helps with addiction. So as an adolescent, if you're watching porn, that's a stimulant. It is a stimuli and it makes people more vulnerable to that having a larger effect on them. And that's why so many people get hooked into porn. It becomes a very reoccurring thing. And then it keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And then you get physical changes, getting psychological changes. And then it, what's even worse as well, what we're talking about is the, is the, the sort of the effects of trying to get out of porn, you know, and uh, that gets to a very sissue, uh, serious and sensitive topic. So, so what do you sort of, trying to relate this as well to sort of um, the industry and sort of how things have changed. We have sort of the, what I'll be talking about as well is the, is the creation of tube sites. So, you know, we have YouTube created in 2005, RedTube and Pornhub, both tube sites uh, created in 2007. And this is, this kind of goes into the, the sort of psychological sort of neuro aspect of it is it, it's, it made, compilation videos and other such things um extremely popular you know you have a bunch of like highlight reel it's like like the best bits of porn these are the most sort of like stimulating and like best bits of porn that you could possibly imagine you put them all in one video that's gonna like fry some 14 year old kid's brain like that's you know that's getting like a gonna make a fortnite joke but no no that's just that's cringe <laughs> just stop just stop so yeah but anyway co- compilation videos they just overstimulate the brain it's just it just sets them off you know so this is this is an example of just how how easily teenagers and adolescents can get so sort of dragged into this kind of thing in it and again back to the misconception point you don't have to have any previous addictions or anything like that there is nothing stop it there is nothing you can have nothing, and you can, it can happen to you, basically, if you're not careful, really. So, so number two, and this is about a point about attractiveness. Okay, so, so the whole point of us, silly, very stupid, <laughs> can't can't talk. Attractiveness. So, porn addicts do watch porn for the attractiveness of the porn star. That is the second misconception here. So the belief is that, you know, um, porn stars are the main attraction source. And and to, to sort of concede the point, in the beginning, it is true. It is beginning. In the beginning, it is true. But after a while, after constant sort of porn use, um desensitization occurs is the sort of thing where it becomes less about the sort of physical surface level aspect of it like you don't really care what you like in the beginning it's like oh they're attractive that's nice that looks good let's watch that and then as it develops into a sort of addiction and a problem and a chronic problem that's when it kind of the desensitization occurs and then you get sort of like it's, it's more about the fetish it's more about the general idea and it's more about the rush and this is this is again playing into this sort of um psychological aspect of things which i'm going to be talking about as well we have a neurochemical rush here and neuroplasticity that we're going to be mentioning as well so as it said it becomes less about the looks and more about the fetish etc and that could play into the culture as well you know so um so fetishes you know how's that has that become more uh widely accepted in culture we have sort of pedophilia rape fetish that kind of thing you know 
because as I'm going to talk about with the psych- psychological aspect of things, it, it becomes about, it's a race. It's a race for the rush. It's a race for the biggest rush, really. And we're going to be talking about that. And so with the second misconception here, we we have someone who's tried to, on the other side of the aisle, who sort of uh, is fine with porn, they just kind of want to make it a bit, you know, a bit more friendly, female-friendly, this kind of thing. You know, porn for females, that's a, that's a very new thing. It's up and coming. It's getting more popular now. And we have Cindy Gallup, who was the founder of Make Love Not Porn, and it's a sub subscription-based amateur realistic porn site and so that that's kind of you you pay a subscription and people there are people who just amateur couples who have just normal sex they record it they upload it um it's it's uh, sort of viewed and reviewed by people who run the site if it's if it's like i don't know how you'd say it, like um if it's very real and it's very authentic and it's like like this is this is portraying really what sex is you know, then it's allowed on the site. If it's like a very staged pony kind of thing, like pizza guy comes over, there's a plumber or whatever, electrician, that kind of thing, you know, then it's not allowed. Okay, so it's it's trying to make porn more ethical, to make female friendly. It's trying to stop. I would say probably this fetishization that is occurring here. That's probably what it's talking about. You know, it's it's bringing it back down to earth and saying like this is. This is genuine. This is the sort of this is what sex is, what you should be expecting. And so what Gabe Dean kind of responds there with, I think, is that it's sort of it doesn't it doesn't really help. And this kind of leads into the third, the third misconception uh, about sort of um, ethical female friendly porn between consenting adults is better than any other type of porn. So if you go on Pornhub you kind of look at this the so very what was it Brazzers X videos X and XX that sort of thing the very stage scripted um, it's sort of um, cinematic porn you know it's supposed to give a good payoff it's nothing something genuine it's not ethical it doesn't help females it doesn't help males it doesn't help anyone really and so just bringing back to the Cindy Gallup thing we have make love not war this is kind of response to that trying to improve it Gabe Deem is basically saying it doesn't matter. <clears throat> Sorry, it doesn't matter what genre it is. The brain can always rewire itself to find anything uh, appealing through neuroplasticity. So, so what's happening here is uh, Cindy Gallup's like, "Hey, here's all this porn, yada yada yada." That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how genuine it looks. It doesn't matter. It that doesn't matter. If you if you're viewing this media. And it's genuine and it's like real sex and you're watching it. That doesn't mean that your brain isn't going to want more. It's not going to want more arousal. It doesn't help. Sure, on the ethical side of things, on the business side of things, it's probably better for women. It's probably better for men. It's probably better for everyone, really. You know, in industry terms, which is good. That's fine. I think that's fine. You know, I don't think that's too bad. But on the the sort of aspect of trying to stop sort of uh, more deviant, what, what people may consider deviant sort of porn usage, it's not going to help. And this is this is how it all plays into the 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 new the psychological aspect of things because there's there's neuroplasticity and there's the the neurochemical rush that people need because basically after a while what people what people want um what people uh want out of porn is a is a sort of hormonal rush they want a an increase and a sort of excitement of the brain. And if you keep watching the same thing over and over again, it, it doesn't have that same effect. It's like 
it's like drugs. And this is where this is also what um, Philip Zimbardo talks about, which is arousal addictions. It's kind of like, and I'll be talking about it in a bit as well. And it's kind of like with drugs. So you take a drug and you like that, but you want more of it. You know, you want more of it. You want more of the same thing. But with porn, it's an arousal addiction and you want, you want it different. You always want something different because you're always trying to find a greater uh, sort of um, neurochemical rush. You want you always want something more exciting, more sexy, more appealing. And the way you get that is by going to the extremes. If you want something more deviant, you want something more sort of out there, sort of wild. That's going to make you feel that rush a bit more. So that's that's why. So it doesn't matter how ethical the porn is, you're still going to have that same thing. And so this 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 sort of neuroplasticity and the rewiring can lead to dysfunction, sexual dysfunction, sexual addiction, addiction, and a, a, a morphing of sexual tastes. Also, the physical aspects, erectile dysfunction, which we're going to be talking about as well. And so and so Gabe Demi brings up this study. Um, he brings up a couple of uh, studies here about the sort of why this um, why this porn use is bad, why it why it leads to uh, real physical problems as well, not just psychological ones. And so there was a study done by the U.S. Navy, um, and who they conducted the study, uh, and in the and he brings up other studies as well. But over the last uh, over the last fifteen years, prior to two thousand two, uh, erectile dysfunction rates for men between eighteen to forty were two to five percent. Okay, that's pretty low. It's not bad. And so every but every study after two thousand and ten. The ED rates are around thirty percent, you know, which is that's a pretty significant increase. And now, obviously, he makes the point that this may not all be due to uh, this may not all be porn related, but there has to be some sort of link, you know, because a lot of things is like pollution, uh, sort of um, the sort of contents of the air. I think that can affect virility in some way, some form, some shape something like that but there is a very definite there is a very definite link between sort of porn because if you think about it what 2002 tube sites weren't around then you know then they're introduced after, after around 2010 you could you could definitely put a link there you know there's a lot of uh, more widespread accessible readily available porn and there has to be some kind of link there to erectile dysfunction because as well as he brings up um for a lot of men who are addicted to porn and use porn if they can get off it and they stop, the erectile dysfunction actually goes away. So for a lot of men, it's the erectile dysfunction is purely, it's not permanent, it's only due to sort of the porn use, really. And so bringing up the problems, the physical problems, sorry, this is more for men, not women. So sorry, women interested in how porn can destroy their body. <laughs> like, Yeah, so the, so the first problem that you may have is that before the erectile dysfunction is a struggle to climax it's a it's a struggle to sort of get it up not get it up but to sort of finish off really and that can that be quite embarrassing and so just more time is needed and uh, there's a there's a way that you can kind of test this there's just a very clear test if you if you can get aroused and erect from just watching porn from only watching porn but you don't when you don't watch porn that's kind of like a test for it i guess and then the, the next stage obviously is is erectile dysfunction you can't get erect without porn there is a there is an there's a development of brain fog and concentration problems you also have um 
there's there are problems with connecting uh, emotionally and sexually yeah social anxiety uh, along with a decreased interest in your partner that you're with low libido and more interest in porn but that again is is subconscious so these are all these are all things um that are the problem really and there's uh, just to highlight the social anxiety point uh philip zimbardo also brings up this kind of thing it's not in the sole social anxiety aspect where people are just shy there is a sort of physical uh, unknowing like a lack of knowledge and how to just sort of converse with people on a purely social level that is where the social anxiety comes from um and I, that, that's understandable because uh, the social anxiety the sort of the inability to connect emotionally and sexually it's just kind of being replaced fully by the only stimulant that is porn you know so that the, they kind of forget the the brain rewires again with the neuroplasticity it rewires to just sort of be able to understand porn as the only stimulant and then you kind of you almost sort of forget in a way really you know so so again so what's so so what's happening so once once we're getting these sort of these urges to find more exciting and sexy stuff we start to seek out and search more uh, exciting material neurochemical rush again uh, there was a there was a survey done by alexander rhodes who owns the website nofap which is i just like that name to be honest nofap yeah so it was it was done in 2012 uh between 1500 men sorry um 56 percent of users escalated into porn they uh, had previously considered deviant 24 percent of those that escalated had shame while 32 percent of those that escalated did not have shame so i think that's that's pretty important it says something about our morals our sort of culture and sort of and i guess if, if people if people more people than if more people felt if more people didn't feel shame than did I think that kind of shows as well just how it can really uh, sort of hook you really and really sort of change the psychology of you like if this is this is these are men who have started looking at porn that they consider deviant you know which they thought they would never look at ever ever because it's, it's just weird it's just odd but now they have and they don't feel shame so i think that really says that really shows you the sort of significance and the the influence that porn can really have on people's lives so uh, just kind of go back to this plasticity really hitting this point whom here we're looking at Deutsch again the uh, the guy who, who we who we oh did I oh no did I did I bring up the quote so I've, I've attempted this this first part of this episode like 12 times so I can't remember if I mentioned the quote I'll 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 read this part then I'll read you the quote again just to because it's quite a long quote as well. So if you, have, if you haven't heard it in a while, you should probably hear it again. So Dodge again, he talks about plasticity, neuroplasticity. It's competitive, and so they seek more exciting and deviant things. Yeah. And so this is obviously leading to sort of physical changes. But anyway, back to Dodge. So 2007, Norman Dodge's book, The the Brain That Changes Itself, Chapter 4, Sexuality. I'm going to read this quote out. It's a bit long. But this is sort of what he noticed about um, sort of his patients and what he'd understood because he's a psychiatrist. So when it reads as follows. During the mid to late 1990s, when the internet was growing rapidly and pornography was exploding on it, I treated or assessed a number of men who had essentially the same story. 
they had increased difficulty being turned on by their actual partners, spouses or girlfriends, though they still considered them objectively attractive. So that again, that's going back to the problems that they face, uh, problems to connect, connect sorry, emotionally and sexually, social anxiety, lack of interest in power, lower libido. So this is, again, just taking home, there are very serious consequences to porn use, as Gabe Dean wants to highlight. So to further highlight and sort of push forward Deutsch's point here about sort of um, how porn can really condition people sexually, which we're going to get about, this is, a, this is quite an interesting little um, um, experiment that was done. Also just want to point out, this is the, the sort of second part of, of the, uh, the physical aspect of things here because i can only call 30 minutes 30 minutes time down so now we're we're on the second part just wanted to make that clear it's the same thing basically but uh, i don't really know how it works when you're listening i think there is there is a cut there's a very clear cut so if you just hear me kind of changing the tone of my voice or something like that i don't know like i'm trying to clip them together so they're as seamless as possible but uh i'm not really that good with editing so sorry but yeah dodge and sort of Deem they're all getting this point across in a study that helps uh, show this point and st- pointed it out was done in 2014. It was between 16 and 8 year olds, and it was sort of these perceptions of anal sex, heterosexual anal sex. So people were the people mainly sort of perceived it as a painful thing. It was quite risky, but also that it was quite coercive, uh, especially for females. And and so there are some there are some interviews uh, cited from, and so we're gonna be we're gonna be looking at them. So. So a young girl, a few quotes here we're looking at. Um, one of the one of the young girls sort of interviewed uh, said that obviously people enjoy it if they do it. So that 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 instantly doesn't really match up, you know, because it, it's perceived as it is has been described and perceived as painful and risky, painful in a sort of ouchy sense, not like a ooh that's kind of nice, <laughs> yeah, like. If I if I can get that point well enough, uh, point point across well enough, uh, there is a very clear sort of uh, sort of flip here between sort of people see it painful, but then obviously people do it, they must like it, but they don't really like it. And so where does that come from? And so if I ever continue to say that people do it because they see uh, porn stars enjoy it, so it's it's less about what they enjoy, more about what the porn star enjoys. So while while sort of porn can be sort of good thing, it's kind of double double edged sword here because porn's good because you, you get to see like oh that looks interesting i'd like to try that or like this is kind of you know what sex might be like but it's not really and but then again it's like saying that we have to do that because porn does it and if i enjoy it while watching porn i must enjoy it while having real sex and i don't I, that's that's just bad we can understand that that's a that's a negative aspect of some porn use there was also a young man who was called mark gabe dean talking about him. and so the quote reads it's quite a long one and I hope I can read it because my handwriting's terrible, but I'm going to try. And so Mark says as follows: I think that the boy enjoys it. I think it's the boy that pushes for it from watching uh, porn and stuff. They want to try it. The girl is uh, scared and thinks it, it's weird, and then they try it because the boy, the boyfriend wants them to. They they naturally don't enjoy it because they're scared, and I know that like with anal if you're not willing to do it you don't relax okay so just kind of 
hate that point but again uh they naturally don't enjoy it because they're scared and i know that like with anal if you're not willing to do it you don't relax stuff like that so so what what the kind of message here is that for, for boys are kind of more pushing it on girls to do it because they've seen it in porn and it's creating like this sort of this sort of realm of what they should enjoy it's what they think they should enjoy even if they don't enjoy it you know and that is bad for porn because second of all it's it's kind of breaking down relationships i don't think any girl wants to be coerced into doing anal sex uh, or coerced by anyone to do anything to be honest um coercing manipulation to get people to do something that they don't want to do you know that's that's just bad you know so that's there's a there's a kind of fault with relationship there that porn is kind of wedged in between two people it's so these sexual standards that people don't even want you know people think 16 year eight year olds the majority of my anal is kind of it's just painful and weird and risky like what's the point but oh porn says i porn's doing it so why i should be doing it then you know so there's a that's that again is so sort of more cultural kind of problem there that people are sort of relying on porn as idols to kind of guide them in how should, they should be acting sexually you know it's some, some sort of false standard that people don't really need and so just kind of again this is this is sort of sexual conditioning you know so again there was a sort of study on sexual conditioning that they did between rats which kind of relate to humans but it's kind of we're going to kind of look at this in this whole aspect of um uh porn as sort of something that that sort of changes and rewires the brain. Remember the the frontal cortex, the neurons uh, for young people. Sexual conditioning. People want to find um, more exciting stuff. A neurochemical rush. They want to they want to be excited more. They want to feel it more. And this is this kind of what happens. And this is sort of sexual conditioning. So what they did with rats, they they had male rats mate with female rats. But these these female rats were sprayed with cadaverine. I think I'm saying that right. Cadaverine. Cadavery, camaraderie, cadaver, something. There, it begins with C and has a reen in it. So, but anyway, that's not the important point. The important point is this: cadaverine was the smell of rotting flesh. Okay, so these male rats had been conditioned to just kind of ignore that and sort of have sex with rats that smell like rotting flesh. But also, the rats chewed on toys and played with toys that smell of cadaverine. So they were completely fine with it. They were conditioned to accept it. And so the, when this was sort of tested again with rats that weren't sort of conditioned to do this, uh, the rats ran away. The rats that weren't conditioned to have sex with female rats sprayed with cadaverine or the toys, they ran away from the toys. They didn't like it because it smelled like rotten flesh. You know, so this says something again. I think it's probably in the sense of a human thing, it's probably a bit more, it's probably a bit more, um, a bit more complex than that really because humans are a bit more complex than rats i would say but it's still it still highlights the same point if if you keep doing something you keep showing something you are going to eventually just be conditioned to accept it and who knows how far down a rabbit hole that goes with porn use you know and we're going to be looking at it in the modern culture thing which is quite disturbing about sort of sort of the sort of viewing habits of people with um porn categories very related to children and stuff like that so that's that's quite a worrying point, but yeah. So there's there's obviously a, a very large amount of evidence here to say, kind of to show this. You know, there are like twenty six brain studies on sort of porn uses consistent with one hundred and seventy internet addiction brain studies that support the addiction model. 
really of, of sort of porn stuff like that. A lot of neuroscience-based reviews, multiple case studies of men who go through ED and recover by removing porn, as I previously mentioned. You know, so there is a very, there is a very strong link here. Uh, this is kind of what Gabe Dean is hitting at here. He's kind of saying like, you know, this this isn't some crackpot crazy anti-porn thing. This is like, hey, there is a very serious uh, health problem here. You know, and uh, there are some, there are obviously counterpoints. There are obviously there are obviously um, counterpoints here. Um, it's obviously that uh, maybe maybe the rates of ED haven't gone up. Just people are more accepting to sort of mention it. You know, um, you know, but the 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 counterpoint here is that all the sort of the the sort of surveys I've done are all anonymous. You know, so there is there is no shame to be had at all there. You know, so that that kind of invalidates that really, and so Gabe Deem just kind of finished off. Really goes on to sort of say that this is um, this is a public health crisis because uh, people don't really understand what's happening. It's affecting a lot of people. It can affect a lot of people. And it's very easily, and people are not educated enough to kind of talk talk about it and to kind of understand really what the problems are. You know, I've learned a lot just from reading about this sort of stuff, which I didn't really realize, you know, I didn't really understand the effects of porn use. And I hope that you guys learn from it too. Maybe if it's helpful, you know, so try, try the erection test. You know, you never know. It might be chill. You might not be. Sold that out. But yeah, so the, 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 the most somber point, the saddest point of this really is that, um, it's all about the, 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 the after effects of coming off of porn or chronic porn use really and Gabe Deem sort of finished the talk by showing a, sh- a screenshot and it was around it was 26 pages of forums and sort of posts by men contemplating suicide um, due to post porn depression you know because obviously if you think about it they've been seeking this new chemical rush they've been building higher and higher and higher they can't get it anymore it drops out and they feel like crap and so they, they, the only thing they're pushed to do is suicide because they don't know when they're going to get better. They don't know when they're going to, they're going to get happier. And so it just it just puts them in a really, really bad place. But then, but there should be hope. There should always be hope because the, the brain can change. Just as just as the, the brain was rewired to sort of enjoy certain things, to get a rush and to um, sort of seek more deviant things, the brain can be rewired again, you know, just as... Just as the people there had ED, if they're taking off porn, they can recover and be normal, sexually active human beings. But the the solutions that Gabe Dean presents with all this, with the physical problems, is that they just need to raise awareness of the effects of porn use. They need education, um, and you show people how the neuroscience can change the physical aspects, obviously, and they need to help with to pre- pre- prevent exposure for to under 18s. You know, because people are like, as Gabe Dean himself, he was introduced porn at the age of eight. That is an extremely young age to be introduced to porn for anyone, I believe. Uh, so that there are the kind of issues that he has with it. It's not so much about he doesn't think porn should be banned or anything like that. It should be allowed, but people need to be shown the effects of anything first. You know, it's like it's like um, the drug talks. You know, uh, with drugs. You know, like. Any, like they say, you know, do it if you want. Yeah, I mean, they don't encourage you if you want to, but like, if you're going to do it, at least know what could happen if you do do it, as as you would with anything. And that, I think, personally, I would agree that is very absent in the porn world, you know, because people don't really talk about it. People don't really raise it up, you know, because it's, it's, it's sex, you know, you wouldn't talk about it with a parent or anything like that who would 
sort of advise you like this might happen you know and I, I just think people in general even if you were going to talk about it, people don't really know what the effects are you know people say stuff about going blind or whatever they you know like stuff like that so yeah so that is so what gabe d mentioned and i just kind of want to relate it back to sort of philip zimbardo here and sort of um how this like sort of chronic porn use might be sort of uh helping with the demise of guys which was his um tedx talk that he spoke about this with and so so what we what we seen there was was obviously the just to kind of recap the psychological physical um effects of porn use gabe deem talking about his personal experience there and sort of how how bad things can get but also how okay they can be afterwards you know if you if you have hope and if you can recover these things aren't permanent just as the brain's wiring is you know it's it, there just kind of talk the physical aspects of porn that is just kind of talking about the sort of um how it's changed you know sort of how how the body can change you know so there's there are the there, they are the physical sort of aspects now as well here we have philip uh, zimbardo with the demise of guys he was he was actually the the psychologist that uh ran the stanford prison experiment which so i was a bit i was a bit cautious with listening to this guy because there is quite a lot of controversy with the stanford prison prison experiment we saw that looks at the psychology of power uh, i think and sort of that sort of thing because there was a, a lot of uh controversy around um him possibly directing the guys i believe on like how to act and how to behave just so it would help with his hypothesis really so but i don't i don't think there's much of a problem with this one and so um what the kind of problem is that he raises is that guys are failing a lot you know so for boys uh boys are 30 percent uh more likely or greater than girls to drop out uh, in canada for every five boys that drop out uh, three girls do girls outperform boys in every level from elementary to graduate school i think that's american and um boys make up two-thirds of special education classes so academically boys are kind of in the rough because uh, the sort of education it, it helps females more females are sort of more um sort of this linear sort of they on average sort of uh work better with a sort of linear study sort of thing where i think boys are more practical and hands-on which is kind of i think where the psychological differences occurs but there's also socially there's a sort of a new fear of intimacy in uh, intimacy sorry um there is also a steady increase in um among males for social awkwardness uh, they do sort of college surveys every year, and that's been slowly increasing with the social awkwardness. This, this is where, uh, this is where the thing I was talking about before with the shyness. You know, it's not it's not just about shyness; it's about also just feeling like a completely foreign stranger, like you've never been in that situation before. And that's sort of coming from this sort of access to porn, this like this constant stream of porn. They're 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 being introduced, and their brain is kind of operating in a different way, really. So. And so, so college males don't know how to uh, read the non-verbal and verbal set of rules in order to be able to talk to people. There's a real sort of problem there. And this is what Philip Zimbardo, Zimbardo calls uh, social intensity syndrome. So, so, the, so what's happening here is that males are actually preferring sort of male, male-on-male kind of camaraderie 
uh, friendship kind of things rather than female mating. You know, so it's male bonding over female mating really is the kind of thing. And so this is this has kind of come from the arousal addictions I mentioned before. So it's excessive access to porn, um, and neurochemical rushes, neuroplasticity, all that kind of thing. It's affecting men, really. Um, boys, young boys' brains are being rewired for constant arousal. The arousal is an, it's becoming an addiction. Uh, they want the something different and not the same. So they're constantly seeking this rush. That completely re- rewires the brain. It changes everything, the psychology of it, and sort of people are just completely struggling to socialize completely. And there's there's just a complete and utter failing there in a social uh, aspect due to this. It's not not also it's not just uh, porn. There is also gaming brought up and stuff. But um, we're talking about porn here, so we don't really need to talk about the gaming. But again, it's excessive. So this is this is also gaming just by the by by yourself. This isn't sort of social gaming multiplayer. This is just single player. So uh, it's important to understand that this sort of um, social isolation from excessive porn use and sort of well, I don't, I don't think it's really sort of social isolation in the sense that you know people aren't going out and having fun. It's just that it's sort of this like growing reliance on porn for sort of. Um, stress relief and to calm down and to kind of be aroused you know because it's more convenient it's cheaper you know you don't have to buy food for a date you know you can just go home and turn on your laptop and have a blast or whatever so yeah so that i hope that's kind of covered the zimbardo thing as well pretty well it's kind of it, that's kind of just re-talking about what was already being said with uh, gabe dean oh that's pretty covered a lot of stuff so that's that's just sort of the the negative aspect of things that is just all the negative sort of um, the negative um, side of and the negative way of of how porn can affect people's lives. But there are also positive things as well, as mentioned, as I will mention here. So as I just mentioned, stress relief from Zimbardo, uh, stress relief is good. <laughs> it's porn, porn for stress relief, stress relief is bad. But hey, again, it's also pretty good. So, but no, um, uh, a study was done by Carnegie Mellon University. That that's that looking at naked images of women cut a man's cortisol levels, which is the sort of stress hormone, or like sort of the the natural alarm response sort of hormone in half, and it they actually did better in maths. So if anyone if anyone wants to do in a maths test, so if anyone wants to do better in a maths test, just crank one out before your exam, and then you sort of sort it really. Um, for women, cortisol also decreased too, uh, decreased as well. So it's a it's a very porn is a very easy way to, to lose stress. For eighty five percent of women who um, who said that they use porn to escape reality, twenty three percent said that that it also relieves stress. So it's it's a very easy way to kind of calm down and relax at the end of the day. But however, uh, I think the problem I have with this is that um, you probably shouldn't be relying on porn for stress relief. Like I concede the fact, yeah. Like it's a very easy way to calm down and de-stress, and you do feel a bit better after doing it. But um, I don't think it's a, it's I don't I just because it's convenient doesn't think it's the best doesn't mean it's the best thing to do. You know, like like yeah, okay. Would you okay? You calm down by watching porn, but I mean, like, would you also rather just like delve into sort of deviant porn use because of that like. I don't really know. I don't think. I just. I just think because it's it's a stress relief doesn't exactly mean that you should use it as a stress relief. You know. 
you know what I mean? Like crack is probably a stress relief as well. But like you don't see me hitting up with like a, a spoonful of heroin because I've had like a tricky day at school or something, you know what I mean? So, you know, just fry up the black tar heroin, why not, you know? So yeah. Obviously porn isn't as like as bad as black tar heroin, just making that clear. But you know, it's the same thing. Just because just because something there doesn't mean you something you should use it really. But yeah, anyway, just to, so moving on from the stress relief thing, we also have uh, so stuff to do with libido and health. There, so some two studies here, um, that kind of uh, so the show show the the possible positive side of uh, porn use. So we have first of all looking at libido. Uh, there was a study done by the University of California in two thousand and fifteen between 280 men and they recorded their porn watching experiences and they found that actually the conclusion of the study was that men who watched on average uh, over two hours of or two or more hours of porn per week had an increased desire for sex with their partner so i think that's quite interesting because gabe deem's studies that he sort of cites and what he looks at with sort of ed rates and sort of from 2010 and 2002 they kind of show a different perspective but these newer studies are probably kind of uh, showing a different thing. So I think what's important there is not to say whether or not we should fully ban or uh, porn or have an unrestricted kind of view of porn. I think it's just asking how much porn is too much porn. Because I think with porn, as it, with this sort of excitement of the neurochemical um, aspects of the brain, the rush that you want to seek, um, I think that can be excited, probably excited in the brain, and you can sort of tread a fine line between that and completely rewiring the brain. The sort of going overboard with the neuroplasticity. So I think that's an important thing to see. But I, uh, so I don't think there's any sort of mega calls here to um, ban or restrict porn in any sort of way. But I think the important thing is just to kind of restrict it from young people because they are the most vulnerable, as I've already mentioned, with the adolescence and the, the vulnerability, desensitization, the stimuli, the sort of very easily rewiring of the brain due to so weaker neuron connections because they are not fully developed until the age of 25 as already previously mentioned so i think that's something very important to reconsider uh, on the aspect of health as well in 2008 so a bit a, a bit uh, a few years ago two danish um psychiatrists or psychologists i believe called gert hald and neil malmuth uh, did a survey of 680 danish adults and the, the conclusion basically was just that porn did not uh, yield any um, any mental or health um, effects that were uh, negative. So no no negative mental or health effects at all. So I think that's quite important as well. You know, first saying that um, I think it, it probably would have to be understood on the context of the study itself, you know. Because I think I think the important thing that needs to be reinforced here with the Gabe Dean thing is sort of chronic, chronic porn use. You know, we're not just talking about because with the with the libido study, what's it saying? On average, just around two or more hours per week, like two hours a week. You know, that's not that's not too much porn, I would say. What's that? You know, so only a, a half an hour or so uh, for a few days. So it's it's not um, it's not that much. I would say, I guess, two hours a week doesn't doesn't really feel like a lot. So, so I think the the context and the perspective of where they're coming from. Yeah. So Gabe Deems more on the side of chronic porn use. He's not completely against porn use. It's just about education and protecting the young because they are the most vulnerable. You know, if you if you're old enough and you're adult and you understand it, if you understand the consequences of porn use over a prolonged period of time, knock yourself out, go willy nilly on um. 
um, Omegle or something like that. Club Penguin chats to to meet some to meet some sexy young penguins or something. <laughs> so so yeah so yeah um, that I think uh, pretty effectively covers the the whole sort of positive and negative aspects of porn use. We've looked at just to recap. We looked at Philip Zimbardo, psychologist. Uh, what's his name again, Noige, his name, Noige, Deutsch. Norman Deutsch is a psychiatrist, what he sort of viewed about um, men and their habits with women and what's happening there. We're looking at Gabe Deem, he's, who's kind of saw, uh, cited Philip Zimbardo and, and Norman Deutsch here. We've also looked at some uh, positive aspects, you know, we've got the, the Carnegie Mellon University, the, uh, the, the University of California, the Danish, those... Uh, Horny dudes, just looking up uh, porn and all that. So I think I think that's uh, pretty much covered uh, sort of the important things. I think of um, the physical aspects and the psychological aspects of porn use. And the the next part that we're moving on to is going to be looking at the the cultural aspect. And we're going to be we're going to have a little brief history, a little surface level surface level whistle stop tour of the history of porn use. We're going to be looking at um, sort of the the trends that we see today with porn use between young people. And sort of how we're we're applying that to the sort of psychological aspects of and uh, the physical side of porn use. So very exciting stuff. And so moving on. Alrighty, so on to the, the culture section of today's episode with uh, porn. I uh, hope you enjoyed the little transition there. Um, thought I'd give these episodes a bit of flair for once. But yeah, so we're going to be covering a just a little surface area, surface um, surface level whistle stop tour of uh, porn throughout uh, the years from around the seventeen hundreds to now. That's going to lead us on to sort of the the, the modern day um, developments of porn, uh, cultural habits, uh, viewing habits, stuff like that, and how that sort of relates to the physical, psychological aspects of things. Why do I think that's happened? Among other things, uh, we're going to be looking at um, Professor Joseph Slade as well. I think he's he's kind of mentioned stuff about, um, he's at uh, the University of Ohio, who kind of spoke about the sort of historical developments of, of porn and such. And then uh, we're also going to be looking at um, along with the sort of general cultural statistics, we're going to be looking at sort of the ideological and principal reasons to why you might agree or disagree with porn. But then also just a really interesting little point about uh, fetishes and a, a, a rape fetish, uh, rape porn, which uh, is quite actually is quite actually interesting. I was quite um, shocked by it, really, which I didn't uh, from the the studies that have been done on it. But anyway, yes. Uh, so porn, porn's uh, material for uh, a purely erotic purpose, as I've mentioned in the definition at the start of the episode. And just to kind of clarify, porn has been around for uh, thousands upon thousands of years, around 30,000 years, I think it is. Uh, they obviously have the phrase, you know, prostitution is the oldest occupation. I don't really, that's not, I know that's not really true, I don't think. I think that's more just a, a phrase in a way, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I, it, it's been around for a very, very long time. Anyway, so we're, we're beginning in the 1700s. And 1748, the, the first English uh, porn novel is published. It's called Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure. It also has an alternative name, which is my favourite my favorite name, uh, Fanny Hill. So 
I think that's a bit better. It's like I I'd like to imagine it's like Pride and Prejudice, but like X-rated. You know, that's like the first ever X X-rated parody of um of anything. I don't know when Pride and Prejudice came out, but um uh I'm guessing it's around the 1700s. Uh but yeah, so so the 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 memoirs of a of a woman of pleasure or Fanny Hill uh, covered by sexuality, voyeurism, and group sex. So it's quite a quite a raunchy book for the time. Uh, the the French had actually been publishing books earlier in the sixteen hundreds because they had the printing press before us, I believe. And uh, people were obviously arrested at times for, because of it, you know, because it goes against the the Christian ideals and whatnot. And I'll be talking about them as well in the the and further on in this uh, segment of the episode. But uh, yeah, so the seventeen hundreds we have the first English. Uh, Porn novel. Then moving on to the eighteen hundreds, around the turn of the century, uh, the the daguerreotype, type, dagger type. Louis Dagger made the, the the photograph. I think um, the the oldest known photographic uh, picture is from eighteen forty six. It's the daguerreotype. type, and uh, Joseph Slade, who we're talking about here, the professor of I think he's of history. I think so. I'm not too sure. I doubt he's a professor of pornography. But uh, he he sort of described the faces of the two people in the picture as being gingerly and like quite sad, and I love that. I think that's really. I just think that's funny. Like, just sad, sad porn. Like, but yeah. So the 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 first the oldest known photographic picture, eighteen forty six. And then we have a, a very old French striptease video called La Couche de la Mairie, uh from eighteen ninety six. So these are very uh, these are very uh, short. The, the the French striptease, which is sort of a softcore uh, film, were, these were known as stag films, and they were held in sort of all male, um, filmed in all male sort of areas like bars and and whatnot. But then you only get the hardcore after the 1900s. And so we're we're moving forward a bit here. We're kind of skipping out the early 1900s. We're going to um, the groovy baby times, um, peace and love, man, that kind of thing. The 1960s or the 1970s. So. So at this time, this is this is all this sort of sexual liberation period. You know, you have the Vietnam War, nuclear disarmament, peace and love, John Lennon, that kind of thing. That's all going down. It's all groovy. You got weed, Jimi Hendrix, that sort of thing. Um, that's all coming out. We have postmodernism. Uh, I kind of I kind of mentioned postmodernism, but I don't really want to. I don't think I should talk about it because postmodernism more deals with sort of. It doesn't really deal with porn. I don't really feel like it's more of a literary, lit, literary, artistic, musical, uh, architectural. Uh, political kind of thing um but it, it did begin in the 1970s that is when the postmodern era began we are currently in the postmodern era and so so the 1960s 70s we have sort of sex, sexual liberation um uh sort of uh, a move away from the sort of normally conservative western values that was that was sort of value you know family values christianity uh, uh sexual dignity uh the family unit the nuclear family 2.5 2.3 kids or whatever something like that a man and a woman uh these are the sort of values that we moved away from uh sort of experimenting with um sort of sexuality and stuff like that uh transgenderism whatnot uh pride i think pride first happened in the 1970s uh, i can't remember the, the bar it was at that bar in new york uh, there was a fight or something with a police officer. I should probably know more about it, to be honest. But yeah, that that sort of period of time where there was a very serious change uh, with political change comes cultural change and, and thought change. And so there is, there's a very uh, wide opening there for um, porn to come in the way. But there's the 70s as well, technology, you know, digital cameras. And uh, the 80s, you know, you got the huge 
the huge record record recorder cameras on that they, they all had you know um big walkmans and stuff like that and whatnot so the the di- development of digital cameras in the 70s and 80s it's not just a cultural or or a sort of um political thing it's also a technological thing as well so obviously uh vhs tapes porn that sort of thing we have playboy magazine hustlers and whatnot it's 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 kind of just like fanny hill but um more widely available really hugh hefner's mass-produced fanny hill that's basically it really that's how you sum up uh, the 1980s and cocaine cocaine communism and fanny hill that's the 1980s basically uh but yes uh, we also have uh, the 1990s, and this is all when the World Wide Web comes into it. But before the World Wide Web in 1994, there was a study done on the bulletin board system, which was the sort of the precursor before the World Wide Web. And it found that um, 40, 40, 45, 48% of downloads included uh, incest, pedophilia, and bestiality. Only uh, less, less than 5% of downloads depicted vaginal sex. So that's pretty extreme. And now you, you you look at that first, and you you, you would think that in the nineties there were a bunch of um, sexual freaks just running around all over the place, you know, just watching uh, French Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Seinfeld, and porn, incest porn. But no, I think uh, what the the thing that has to be made here that uh, Professor Joseph Slade brings up, uh, the professor of Ohio, I think it's Ohio University. Don't quote me on that. But um, he brings up that it's probably due to uh, magazines and uh, sort of hustlers I've talked about, Hugh Hefner's Fanny Hill, as I've already mentioned. They sort of covered sort of just normal sex, you know, just women, that kind of thing, just normal porn, really. So, so um, you know, um, I don't think they're really posting incest, pedophilia, and bestiality and hustlers every week. So really only people who wanted that kind of porn would go there. So the, it's not that everyone in, who used the internet was a big freak. It's just that the only people that used the internet were freaks. So I guess you could say that everyone that used the internet was a freak. Kind of, kind of. But then it, it's not, um, the you couldn't um, extrapolate that to say that everyone um, who uses the internet or not was a, an incest-loving dog shagger. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so yeah, the, the, the kind of... the. I think that's that's a good appeal to the culture of things as well. Like um, technology has really opened the doors for sort of what has p- appeared to be taboo to kind of come out into the light and to sort of be accepted. Not accepted. I don't think many people would accept bestiality or incest or pedophilia right now. There is a bit of a there is a bit of a, a, a political fringe um, kind of going for pedophilia, but I don't I don't know much about that. It's a bit odd. Some really weird sort of viewpoints in that. Well. But, you know, and so with the, the culture of things as well, you know, um, it's all um, because because the Internet allows sort of, as we've already mentioned, the neurochemical rush, it sort of allows for this deviancy to kind of take place, really. You know, before the Internet, where are you going to get incest porn from? Where are you going to get pedophilia from? And maybe maybe the internet kind of helps because with the internet, if people are doing it online, it's a lot easier to track and, and hunt down. You know, if someone didn't have the internet and they were trying to do pedophilia, you just have to try and, like, spy on kids in the park. You know, that's a... You know, you, you don't have an IP address on you there. You know what I mean? So then again, we have VPNs and, and whatnot now and all that. It's a proxy servers and all that. So it's... Um, 
it's a it's a easily manageable i think so it's a it's a double-edged sword there so it could it could possibly be easy to catch beautiful but also it's 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 uh just as easy easy to cover your tracks now as well and so so we had 1994 we had the, the bulletin board system the the study of um all the freaks on the internet that's brutal and now uh, 1997 xnxx is created porn site uh, that is so that's before Pornhub actually which i didn't realize but yeah so um i don't think this is a t- i don't think that was a tube site originally i don't know but then we have 2005 we have the creation of youtube and then comes uh Pornhub and red tube in 2007 um the creation of tube sites that blows up porn massively becoming a, a multi-billion dollar business boom 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 it's all grown it's all going massive everyone's got porn everywhere it's wicked it's awesome horny teenagers are just going off the nut pardon the pun uh but uh yes it's a very long exposure to porn this is where the compilation videos come in as gabe d mentioned this is probably where he found his access to porn when he was uh, 12 or whatever this is kind of where it hit him and this is how the and at this time as well because it's such a new thing this sort of internet stuff you know it was only 1994 that um around that time that the well world by web came up now 2005 you've got tube sites sexologists don't have enough time to kind of really study and understand the, the effects that porn had so it's not it's not really them and uh, not caring it's just that them, them not having enough time to really understand the the effects of of what porn had at the time so so we're kind of up to speed now. We're kind of up to now, give or take a, a decade or so. Oh yeah, it's only it's almost twenty twenty. God, that's sad. Uh, <laughs> I already want to die. But yeah, uh, here we are. We're in the the modern times now. So, so modern culture, it's pretty acceptable that in the West, I'm going to say the West because I don't I don't really understand the Eastern sort of view on porn. The, the East is a bit is a bit dodgy with the porn. Um, Asian cultures, I'd say more Japan, Japanese culture. There, it's um, it's a bit odd. I don't get the whole hentai thing. That's uh, that's uh, I've never understood that. Uh, but yeah, now now modern culture, it's very popular among adolescents, young adults, teens, you know that kind of thing. Uh, just for some little facts here about social media and porn, uh, there are over ten million porn accounts on Twitter. Uh, it's readily available and used on Tumblr, you know, the, the not safe work thing. But however, the, the laws did change, I think, in December of 2018. Uh, so I think it's it's harder to find not safe for work um, accounts on that. And it's it's uh, lewdness is very sort of monitored, I think, now. It's very hard to kind of just find uh, porn readily available on Tumblr. But Instagram, porn accounts, all I get, all, I, all I'm ever done on Instagram, the only people that message me on Instagram are just porn accounts. You know, I keep thinking I'm... The most sociable person in the world, but nope, they just want to just want to add me to a sex chat. So, but yeah, uh, that's that's a frequent occurrence. Uh, the bot industry, I think we need to talk about that and the economic aspect. You know, these bots, chatterbait bots, all that kind of thing. How are they run? How did how did the money? Where did they get the money from? Who falls for them? Who uses them? That's what I want to know. So that's, we're going to be looking at that, I think, in the in the final, the third and final aspect of today's episode. Um. But yeah, um, it's already available on social media in the West. Porn videos accepted by uh, young people, as I said, Gabe Dean. It's it's a, and it was an accepted part of teen culture just to kind of talk about porn, discuss porn. It was pretty out there, you know. We also have uh, some stats here from the um, the 
National, I think it's the National Centre of Sexual Exploitation. Now, I really love that acronym because nowhere there does it say the National Centre for Stopping Sexual Exploitation. So it just it's just kind of like it's there for sexual exploitation, you know. So I'd like I, you couldn't just fit in a, a stopping or preventing there, could you? You could sort of like with the National Centre of Sexual Exploitation. Like if you want to, if you want to, like you know, look at some beautiful villages, but go to us first, all right? You know, like. You know, so if you want, don't do it illegally. Just come to us; we'll be fine. Just slip us a few, flip us, uh, slip us a couple of quid, and we'll be chill. But yeah, so here's uh, on a more serious note. There are some pretty bad stats here uh, later on. But anyway, so the first stat here: we have sixty-four percent of young people from thirteen to twenty-four actively seek out porn weekly, or or we- weekly or more often. Okay, so that's not that bad. You know, that's kind of that's in line with the the health study that we did with the Danish. Uh, the, the, the 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 libido the libido the libido 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 the libido uh, the, we're gonna call it the L the the L study that they did uh, with uh, the University of California I think it was so yeah that kind of makes sense it's not it's not too so chronic there not too wild which is so I think in teen culture most people it's I I don't really know the levels of addiction that are happening but i think it's just the vulnerability is the kind of thing that is uh, out there so very easily to get addicted but people people probably don't go that far you know it's more it's uh not addiction but more deviancy i think the growth and fetishes and the sort of uh changing aspect of that which i'm going to be talking about as well with rape fetish which is just it just boggles my mind, man. Like what? You know? But yes. So that's an alright start. Uh second start here we have teen girls uh, are increasingly likely to seek out porn uh, than girls who are over twenty-five. So teen so teen girls are more likely to seek out porn than women who are over the age of twenty-five. So that's a change in generation, that's a generational thing. Uh, 25 year olds they were born 1990 around the 1990s 1994 that sort of thing so they just sort of missed the mark on when tube sites were around they weren't young old enough at all to kind of be exposed to them but now teen girls are they're kind of out there you know e-girls that kind of thing they're all over the place now that's wicked it's really not it's terrible it's degeneracy i'd say <laughs> disgusting but yeah so teen girls a lot more likely now than uh women to sort of uh view porn that sort of thing um uh again with the culture uh teen girls teenagers males a lot more sexualized than the younger that's because due to a sort of an influence from media it's a lot more out there you know the, the 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 media and the sort of culture of parents and children from years ago was probably a lot different than it is today. I think there's been a sort of emerging here because people are expected to grow up a lot quicker to sort of deal with the demands of today's life. Music, music is very sexualized. Everyone listens to music. If you listen to pop, popular music, you know, like you just, that's kind of like the culture of the day. You know, if, you, if you're trying to sexualize a, a culture, the people there are going to be cult, uh, become sexualized when they're younger, you know, because they're just introduced to it. You know, you people have been listening to music since we're babies you know so it's it's always there it's always present there's a very long exposure so the the sort of the increase in maturity 
or the uh, perceived matrice, uh, the perceived increase in maturity that people think they're older than they are. You know, 14 year olds, 15 year olds think they're think they're like 18 or 20 or something like that, but they're not. They're not as mature then, and it becomes a very sexualized culture, which will lead on to sort of the um, porn viewing habits uh, in, of today. So yes, influence from media and internet uh, culture, uh, adult and teens merge from media, uh, read do its readily accessible uh, ability. So the the third statistic we have here, there was a study uh, between fourteen and nine year old females who uh, watch porn vids. Uh, was an increase, uh, six, there was a significantly larger likelihood of being victims of sexual harassment and volume of and volume. Not violence, violence. Females uh, from 14 to 19 who watch porn videos were significantly um, had a significantly higher likelihood of being victims of sexual harassment and violence. So what about what does that kind of mean? You know, because I didn't really get that. Because females who watch porn are then more likely to be sexually harassed. You know, I thought it'd be men, or or whoever watched the porn was more likely to. Uh, do the sexual harassment or the sexual violence but what i think is happening what i think it is is that porn and the way it is set up and the sort of the modern porn industry which i'll probably be looking at as well and the 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 majority of videos they're made for men i think because if they weren't then you wouldn't have such a such news about female friendly porn directors but also if you just watch it you can um porn is just a very sort of male-based thing it's it's in modern times anyway it's been more for men than women and so like on porn as well sort of um like men's faces aren't blurred out but, uh, men's faces are blurred out but women's aren't you know i think that says something i think that's quite a, a poignant uh, a strong point uh, you know like um it's also focused on the woman or what's happening to the woman i think a lot of times Due to this sort of high demand and sort of these uh, sort of this sort of growth and 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 intensity in the FB appeals of fetishes, we start to see a more of a degradation of women within porn videos, uh, sort of uh, degradation, sort of um, punishment, that sort of thing. And so, what I feel like, because as we've already seen from studies done with young young uh, teens, young adolescents, and they sort of their view of hey, so. So the, the people in porn are doing anal, so that means I have to do anal. And I have to coerce my girlfriend and try and do anal with me. Or this, that, and the other, the X, Y, and Z. I feel like that applies to the, the other way around. So, like, they see it and, like, oh, a girl might see it. And be like, oh, she's getting done whatever to her. That has to be done to me. Now, now if a woman's asking to be degraded, something like that, I feel like what might happen is if uh, women are into that, it kind of there is a, a problem where we don't know where the, the, the line is that should be drawn. It's being, being degraded there, and then there's a little line, and then it's like being beaten or whatever, you know. And obviously you could, you could defend that with, well, you know, people should really know that's just an intuitive thing. Like, you know, between sort of a sexual sort of degradation, between like an actual just beating the crap out of someone or sexually harassing them, you know, the line there is consent, I think. That's the realisation that we need to make here. But probably a lot of people don't see that. Probably a lot of people don't understand. And I think I think one of the big problems as well is that because if you're 14 to 15 or 16 or something, 14 to 15, you probably you don't that you can't you don't have a, an understanding of sex unless you do it. 
you know so if your understanding is only from set only from sort of videos that are very sort of fetishized and very niche for a sort of degradation thing you watch it and it's all about there isn't there doesn't seem to be any consent there or anything you might interpret that as to that's how you should be and that's where the sort of degradation sort of psychology comes from maybe i think that makes sense i think i'm just rambling there i don't know if any of that made any logical sense i don't i don't watch listen to these back to make sure if i make sense so i just stick this in and you're like what the what is he on about <laughs> like just sorry just stick around for the next episode i'm sure it'll be better but yes so i think i think this sort of uh, increased sexual harassment uh, towards women who um watch porn probably comes from this their their internalized view of themselves of i need to be degraded and then the, the people that are degrading them are like when does this stop and they just keep going and then they feel like they get this sort of mentality to them where it's like uh they want to be degraded i can do what i like i am god as far as, as far as i'm concerned i'm god with you i'll do whatever i want basically i think that's that's the um problem so uh, allowance of degradation leads to a uh, culture that allows for more harassment. Mm, culture, maybe. Uh, there's this idea of a rape culture. I would I would necessarily disagree with that idea of a rape culture. You know, this whole idea that men are just allowing rape to happen, people get off scot-free, that sort of thing. It does happen. But I feel like in the in the wider sense of culture, um, it doesn't it's not an allowance of culture, it's just based on the principles of sort of innocent until proven guilty. There are some other problems that lead to this sort of acceptance of rape, but I don't I don't think it's people specifically just not caring about people being raped. You know, because people do care about rape. When we hear about rape, we understand it's a very bad thing. We all understand that intuitively rape is a bad thing. Unless you're the rapist and you might not think it's that bad. Unless you you know it's bad, but you just don't care. Because you don't think you're gonna call. But so I don't I don't think there's necessarily a culture in where rape is allowed or excused. I think what um does excuse or allowed rapists through um sort of maybe a class divide or financial divides which sort of you know change the thing maybe i don't know it's very complex maybe it's sexism maybe it is i don't know i don't feel like it, i don't think it's institutionalized in any way or something like that i don't think that is that is happening maybe i'm not too sure but I do feel I don't. I wouldn't say there is a rape culture. I wouldn't say there is a an institutionalized culture that allows for rape to continue and happen, because we all find rape horrible and abhorrent and not not good, you know. So I don't really think see how that works, to be honest. But anyway, uh, moving on to the, the fourth uh, statistic here. We, this is from Pornhub. And the, the teen porn category, which is kind of the ones that I don't... I just, like, this is the part where it gets a bit... Uh, what? Uh, the teen porn category has topped, uh, topped the uh, searches for the last six years on Pornhub. Just a little note here, we're around, we're around 25 minutes. Uh, we're going to be talking about this point, and then we're going to be going on to part two of the um, the uh, cultural aspect here, just in case I don't want to cut out and you're being like, confused. So, yeah, Pornhub. So... The teen thing here. This is a bit odd. Um, well, but we're talking about the next point as well. So, these two points are pretty uh, interlinked. So, the most common female uh, role stated is women in twenties portraying teens, and this is from uh, John Millwood from twenty thirteen. He interviewed ten thousand porn performers in the U.S., which is a very, very large 
um, the younger people. So here, so the teen category is really popular for the last six years, along with uh, women wanting to portray roles as younger, as teens, as uh, young. I feel I feel like this is a combination of culture and evolutionary things because if we look at the evolutionary thing, um, young people are more attractive. You know, you want to be with someone who's young, who's like you know late teens, uh, early twenties, mid twenties. You know, because that is that is the 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 fertile, the peak, the hormonal peak of of men and women. You know that that's the most attractive part because evolutionary, we're we're well i'm thinking anyway i'm I'm really i don't know much about this but i'm guessing that like this period of time where you are the most fertile when you're on the most hormonal that is when the most attractive is because it's 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 the sort of uh, biological uh, prerogative to produce and carry on dna and survive really so that is kind of uh where that sort of thing comes from so you 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 have the evolutionary standard for um teens being quite attractive not not young teens, not early teens, but late teens, where they're a bit more developed and um, attractive and appealing, due just to the evolutionary factors, not down to solve uh, anything else. But you mix that with a culture that seeks a constant neurochemical rush and a plasticity, along with the, the, the culture not necessarily then connected to porn, but eff- very ephemeral, ephemeral being sort of um, not very important and short-lasting information. We live in a very... A fast-paced soundbite society with news snippets 10 seconds long out of context very quick where was it going with that point <laughs> that was in no way related to porn whatsoever where was it going with it? it's a very fast-paced society yeah i was going so i've just i've just lost that that's terrible i can't <laughs> i was like really i was going so good with that but i just lost it oh that's nice but yes uh mix it with the culture of today fast-paced society you know um very ephemeral that kind of thing. Um, we're constantly seeking a rush. Yes, constantly seeking this rush, this sexual rush to to find the most deviant thing, the worst thing. So you so you you're already backed up by your evolutionary needs, your prerogative to kind of seek the the most out there thing that excites you the most. But also this sort of society that sort of urges you to be to live fast and to, to get what you want and to go out and be the individual and seek what you want that is it probably also pushing you to kind of want something younger you know something younger and I, I i don't think that this is that would deviate in this kind of pedophilia i don't think every because because like it, it, i don't i don't i don't like i don't know how you can make that leap from oh yeah this this teen porn this teen porn sorry is like good now I like kids like I don't think that works I think it would take a lot of time a lot of chronic masturbation a lot of rewiring of the brain to do it but it's it's still it still creates a very predatory environment like even if it's just teens it's still like weird you know like you're asking 20 year olds to specifically who specifically look younger you know why not just be a 20 year old you know what I mean that's still a, a very fertile time a very mature time but yes so um, we're going to be looking at the next point, but we're going to have to move into the, we're going to have to call this part two because we're now on 20, 29 minutes, 34, uh, 35, 36, 37 seconds. So uh, yes, so we've been looking at that point there. I think that's uh, been, um, we're going to carry on talking about that because there's some other points I want to discuss with that as well. But now moving on to um, the culture aspect of ponies part two. Alrighty, here we are. Part two with cultural uh, aspect of today's episode so yes as i was talking about 
just making sure I wasn't muted there. <laughs> uh, I'd hate that. That would be my nightmare. I'd hate that so much. But yes, uh, as we were talking about Pornhub and uh, sort of uh, the Millwood, John Millwood um, interviews of 10,000 10, porn performers, by the way, that's a pretty, pretty significant thing for most common female rule stated is for a woman in her 20s to portray, portray a teen. You know, that is an increasingly, that is an extremely high demand there for for that. And as I was saying, you mix it with evolution and the culture of today, you're going to get a potion, a mixture for a predatory sort of thing. So in a sense, you could kind of, you could kind of relate that to the rape culture, maybe as, as a more predatory sort of, um, um, sort of appeal or a predatory sort of nature comes out, maybe this kind of prey predator um sort of role may sort of form and solidify you know uh, maybe but then then again we are becoming a very more sort of tolerant and sort of um liberalized liberalized um society so maybe maybe not you know i don't know it's a it's it's going two ways it's a two-way street definitely so as I, i was saying yes um I don't. I. I wouldn't say that that the predatory nature immediately devolves into sort of this whole like paedophilia, paedophile society thing. It's not like some sort of infinite regress to child porn. Like no, that's there is a very large leap and a very physical boundary that you have to cross there within your brain from the re- rewiring to physically enjoy the sight of children. Because there's there's a very real difference. There's a very physical, uh, visual, physical, um, sort of uh, psychological difference there. You know, so and I don't I don't know what attracts pedophiles to children. I don't. I think maybe it's the the innocence of them, the the sort of mentality that they have that is maybe attractive. I don't really know. I don't know what about because I know some things. It's about power. Some it's about um, sexual release uh, stuff like that. But I don't. I don't really know. I haven't looked into that. I don't really know what the the, the pedophiles enjoy about children specifically, and what they can get from children that they can't get from adults. Um. So yeah, uh, but ju- just out of the stat, that might actually change that point of view. That might actually put a different spin on things. There is a pred- I do believe there's a sort of a, maybe a predatory behavior coming out of this. But actually, for with the Internet uh, Watch Foundation, the IWF, um, recorded child exploitation or child porn is the fastest growing online business. So child porn is actually growing extremely quickly on the internet. Uh, child exploitation. So actually, when I'm saying uh, maybe this predatory behavior is is it doesn't just you, there it doesn't just leap into um, child porn. Maybe there is a part of it that does. You know, maybe there are some fringes there that really um, intensify into this thing. You know, and maybe it's like a bell curve. You know, um, you have the the majority in the middle, which is sort of um, more attractive to late teenagers that kind of thing. But then the fringes might um delve a bit deeper and then over time maybe the, the fringes increase in thickness maybe and they um they start to uh, gain more traction and popularity so that's not very good uh just carry on with this this uh favorance of this sort of child porn thing uh 620 oh, over 624,000 uh child porn traders found it online in the u.s so that is a, a very large market it's a very large group of people you know, and if you if you mix that with this predatory behavior, this evolutionary thing, maybe that's where it does go. Maybe it just takes some time, is what I think it might be, be now. Maybe it just takes time to solve for that rewiring to occur, the neuroplasticity and the uh, neurochemical rush to set in. 
Uh, also along this, 2005 to 2009, uh, child, porn, child porn hosted on servers in all 50 US states. Okay, so uh, from those periods, uh, that's from the Association of uh, Advocation, Advocating Child Protection. Ad Association of Sites Advocating for Child Protection. Uh, so, so once again, yeah, uh, maybe this uh, child porn thing is uh, a bit more serious than I might have uh, expected. I don't know why I didn't expect it because I wrote it down. <laughs> so I wrote this. I wrote this down. I don't know. I like to. I like to pull a sneaky on myself. I think that's that's the goal. Anyway, but yes. So uh, the the culture is a bit a bit nutty. Is what I'm going to say there. Um, cultural acceptance of porn is not all that good, I would say, because of this, because of this sort of more sort of very predatory view of things. You know, this I I I just don't like the fetishization, fet fetishization. I, I really think I don't think that's a word. You know, the fetishization um, increase the sort of sexual liberation. I uh, it's it's good in a way. As I'm going to point out, why well, put some people in my things for, but it's also not that good, you know, because you're letting things come out under the norm that really test what we're going. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. They're letting out these sort of uh, views and ideas and and sort of feelings that are really sort of pushing out what we should be allowing, what we should be accepting, you know. Uh, as I'm going to talk about with rape fetish and maybe crossing the pedophilia, all of this I just want to. Just want to point out here. I don't. I don't. These aren't what I enjoy. I'm not like. I'm not. <laughs> like, hey guys, like, come on, let's let's uh, let's free the kids, man. Let's let them go wild. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, this is more of a, an objective. I'm trying to be impartial here, but I'm not really. Am I? I'm not <laughs> like like yeah. But I, I I do when I read it. I thought it was an interesting point when I was looking up. It is like pretty wild because it has it has stuff to do with the the UK government. Yeah, what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to I'm going to talk about the rape fetish and the rape porn, and then we're going to go on to the sort of ideological and principled uh, opposition and proposition for uh, porn use. But anyway, so uh, I think it was a journalist who was talking about uh, sort of the UK banning certain types of porn. I think it was, um, I think one of them was squirting, squirting, um, anal, not an no anal. I don't think anal was outlawed, but rape or ape rape uh, porn was out of the decency of human rights or something like that. Uh, sort of that sort of thing. So, so it's it's a very um, pretty uh, tricky, pretty, pretty tricky subject. Yeah, yeah. So, so what this journalist sort of brought up here was it was from nineteen seventy three to two thousand eight. There have been nine surveys of women's rape fantasies uh, published, and so uh, across the board for these, by the way, they all have pretty similar results. Which is quite interesting. So, four out of ten women admit to having uh, the, the 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 rape fantasy um, at least once a month, and that's around from thirty one percent of women to fifty seven percent of women, which is which is a fairly sizable amount for for once a month. You know, a rape fantasy because because as well, think about it, from nineteen seventy to nineteen seventy three to two thousand eight. These are very these are big periods for feminism. You know. Um, as I said, postmodernism began in the nineteen seventies. You have the the second wave uh, movement, suffrage. No, not suffrage. Women against no, <laughs> no, um, not suffrage. Uh, women have had that for a very long time in the West. Anyway, not not the seventies. 
but sort of more uh, equality based on a cultural level as a as a viewpoint, not so on a political level. Yeah, the 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 rights and stuff, well, abortion rights, that kind of thing. Um, but on a cultural level, you know, like um, views on women in certain work uh, places and and whatnot. That kind of cultural fight was definitely pretty important in the seventies uh, to to the early two thousands. Um, definitely the eighties. We had Mar- Margaret Thatcher became the prime minister in the in nineteen seventy nine, I believe it was nineteen seventy nine nineteen ninety one, I believe. Um, Margaret Thatcher was prime minister eleven years. Or is that ten? I don't know. I think it's. I don't. I'm terrible at maths, but yeah. So these are big uh, cultural moments for feminism. So 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 you compare that with then four out of ten women admitting to having a rape fantasy, where it's all about domination and non-consent and forcefulness. It's a it's a pretty different thing. I think this is that's the important point here for when relating it to porn. Uh, because as I'll I'll continue with the the point of main, but uh, we'll we'll come back to that. So yeah, so um, and it was even saying that with the studies that this number could even be higher than fifty seven percent because uh, a lot of people might feel uncomfortable. Uh, I mean, like you wouldn't really want to admit you fantasize about being raped. That's a because it's pretty taboo. It's rape, p like. It, it's out of bestiality, incest, paedophilia, and rape. Like, like I mean, with pe- bestiality, like you can imagine, you can see someone wanting to do something with a dog, you know, because because it's involving consent, incest, it's involving consent, paedophilia. No, not really in, incest, uh, um, consent, but with rape, it's sort of like it's such a horrendous. Like it's just a like, like um, rapes always just kind of for a very very long time been the sort of very criminal activity. You know, incest is, there's always been a grey area on it. Bestiality has always been a grey area. Paedophilia hasn't really been a grey area. But it's I'd say out of them, it's it's one of the rape is one of the more intense. One of the more intense sort of. Um, sexual fantasies fantasies i would say it's one of the out of the taboos it's one of the more taboo you know so and so there was a there was a, one of the latest reports that came out uh, from the journal of sex research and it asked um 355 women at north texas university all college students they asked the question how often have you fantasized being overpowered forced raped by or raped by a man or woman to have oral vaginal anal sex or anal sex against your will and out of the 65 women uh uh no not of the 65 out of the 355 women 62 percent had one such fantasy but this does depend on the terminology used um for overpowered by a man 52 percent of them had the fantasy while only 32 percent had the rape fantasy so so i think i think in some way the sort of overpowering part is the the more sort of stimulating part it's about and I think that's maybe what for for what women seek within a man, maybe not so much a, a, a dominating and over, overbearing thing, but one that is uh, confident and has the ability to get what they want, you know. But then, if it crosses the line to where consent is broken, because because maybe like 
if you're looking at the, the trying to design the sort of the, the sort of meta analysis of what you mean by sort of overpowered, you know, like look at Fifty Shades of Grey for example. Maybe like like she kind of doesn't want it, but she kind of does. You know what I mean? In a way, I don't know. I don't know. It's a very tricky thing to try and get around. Like overpower to overpower someone. There may be consent there. You know, there there may be it might be a sort of a teasing in a sense where you you don't fully want to just give yourself away to them. There has to be some sort of conflict and aggressive sort of taking of it, and that's where the, that's when the consent is then given as a, as a as a means of proving themselves as a, a competent person. You know, that's how it all it all. Um, sort of evolutionary comes down to because you don't want to uh, think about this whole sexual uh, play thing it all comes down to who is the best mate because even if you're not having children you're still thinking about uh, I guess subconsciously who is the best mate you know is it going to be someone that's a bit of a wet lettuce a bit of a wet wipe who oh <laughs> please miss let me private message you oh please please <laughs> Please, miss. Or is it going to be someone that is confident and knows what they're doing and is aggressive to some degree? So, yes. Just having to think about that for a second. Yes, I think that is um, sort of uh, where that distinction is made because then the, the sort of the consent is then broken and that is why. But then that doesn't really explain why still 32% of people have that fantasy, you know. So, so I don't fully understand. I I kind of get the the first point, but the second point it's a bit hard to analyze. That's I guess that's up for you to decide. For you, for you who are who are listening. So I, what it boils down to, I guess, as well, is that um, we're kind of asking here what is what people enjoy sort of online equal to what people uh, may enjoy sort of offline you know because it, obviously the uk government had a, had a move to try and ban these certain things as a as a sort of common decency kind of thing as a as a sort of a breaking of consent sort of a rule here as to if it depicts if it depicts non-consensual things or breaking of consent then that's that's not right but breaking of consent and as as though it's looking as it's breaking consent are not the same thing very understandably so so the, the question here then is should it uh, be allowed really you know because just just the thing about it, like you could apply that to many things like like um just as i was mentioned before the teen category with Pornhub and yeah so like with um with the teen category of Pornhub, like that could delve in like pedophilic kind of trends maybe i would say like like you could use that same line of argument like it okay it doesn't depict it's not like actual pedophilia it's just depicting it so therefore it's okay like it's it's just depicting it's just depicting rape it's not actual rape so it's fine like like is that right because because you can get it if like people want to have a fantasy about rape and whatnot but if you expose it to a media that like if, if something's on Pornhub or if something's on a media somewhere and it's pretty commonly used media you can kind of use this idea that 
that it's just accepted nature that that sort of thing is an accepted nature you know like oh it's there it's been viewed a lot it must just be it's just okay and then it becomes it comes into the normalized culture of things you know so i don't i don't think it would be the best idea to introduce rape and sort of uh rape uh porn videos that merely just depict rape they don't they don't uh, present actual rape to videos i don't think that's good either personally because you're you're it's almost in a way you're ex, you're accepting it and saying it's okay to watch this and enjoy it where really i don't think it should be okay to watch. even if like just because you have a fantasy about something doesn't mean it should be just because just because like what 31 50 of women once a month have a rape fantasy that should be okay i mean then again it's once a month at least once a month so then again you give them the benefit of doubt they don't really love it, you know. It's just kind of it. Just it's like those thoughts, you know, when you you see someone, you think like, what if I just stabbed them? No, you know, what if I just killed them or did something else horrible to them? You know, it's not you don't want it. You don't fantasize it about constantly, but it just pops in your head, you know. So maybe maybe that's it as well. But then even still, they're just you can't really be punished for that, you know. And just just because people have those little thoughts doesn't mean you should be making videos about them, you know. Just because people sometimes think about killing people doesn't mean that gore porn has to be some sort of accepted thing. Just because it pops in your head every, like when you're on the toilet or in the shower or something. So, like, oh, what if I just killed them, you know? So, so again, yeah, it's um that that's a big question that I kind of want to ask you guys. If some if it's just depicting something, is it okay? You know, is all porn okay? Should it all be allowed? You know, because then if you if you start taking away this porn, rape porn, uh, whatever kind of porn, um, whatever porn can they take away? What do they deem to be um, okay and not okay, taboo and not? You know, it's the government. They can they can do as they please if they want to take away rape porn because they don't find it um, good, even though it's just depicting rape. It's not actually. It's not got. It's not anything illegal. It's not actually anything illegal. Unless the, the government says it is, as it's doing. Then, then why should be taken away? And what can they take away next? You know, it's all it's all about freedom, I guess. So, what do you guys think? Um, you know, I haven't I haven't done a big question. That's the thing. That's the way that today's podcast. We haven't had a big question. This is this is today's big question. You know, should all porn be okay? I feel like I feel like for many people, that's probably a no. It's probably a big no, big no, big no. But it's not a big uh, thing. But yes. Uh, that is that's kind of the rape fetch thing that I thought was quite interesting. I thought the the statistics on it were really interesting, you know, um, all that sort of thing. So yes, we've covered sort of modern culture, a very brief history of the pivotal historical moments from the seventeen hundreds to now about the the steps that porn has taken. I think next we're going to look at. I'm going to I'm going to make this a new part now, just kind of prep everything. But we're going to look at sort of these ideological things. Uh, these ideological, ideological and principled, in, ideological and principled uh, dis, uh, uh, arguments for between sort of um, what whether or not porn should be okay. So we're looking at gay, uh, Gabe, Gabe Deem again. We're looking at Cindy Gallup. We've got uh, feminists on both sides of the aisle. We have religion, conservative, liberals, companies, which we're going to be looking at a bit further on as well. That sort of thing. So we're going to be looking at them, and I, I think I'm going to make this a new part, just so I can I can square it off and 
make it its own thing. So I'll be back in however many seconds. I'm going to be like four, probably. But yes, I'm going to wait till it gets to five minutes. Okay, so here we are at the the part of the episode where we're going to discuss the ideological and principled um, arguments for and against the use of porn. Really. Just a little note before this happens. I think this is where the episode is going to end. This is the last segment of the episode. This is the last segment of the episode, I should be saying. Just because right now the, the, the length of the episode is at 1 hour 43 minutes and 30 seconds. I don't think... I'd be surprised if people even got through the first 20 minutes of the episode, let alone another segment, another third segment. And also, I don't I don't really feel like the economic segment is needed, to be honest. Because I don't think, I think people care. I think, I think if people, for starters, even care about this whole uh, effects of porn episode, I think the least part they're going to care about is how much money Pornhub makes and how they make it through adverts and whatnot. I feel like the physical and cultural aspect are pretty intertwined. They link together well. You make some good uh, cross-sectional links, and that's going to be quite interesting. And then we have the ideological and principle, principle part where you can actually think about the arguments and just kind of go over them a bit more and and see whether or not you agree with them, why you disagree with them. So I think I think this is probably where the episode will end. And that is um, that's how it's going to be. I think because it's it's this is going to stretch into like two hours maybe, and this is my longest episode, and I'm gonna I'm gonna like I'm gonna need some serious um, reductions in the amount of information I put out in the next in future episodes. Cause I don't I don't think this is a very reasonable amount of time for an episode. I hope some people do listen to it this much. That'd be wicked, you know. But I don't know. I can get rid of I can get rid of the. The um the transition sound from physical to cultural that's twelve that cuts twelve seconds off the episode so that's decent but yes anyway the actual uh, ideological uh, aspects here so I guess I guess what we'll look at is is the reasons why we shouldn't watch porn first because I feel like that's a lot stronger I feel like the evidence and the the stats that we have that's it's a lot more the 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 empirical side of it is probably saying a bit more don't use porn while the the cultural side of it is saying yes use porn you know but we're not going to talk about empiricism and and um sort of uh, studies here this is all purely principle so anyway let's let's look at a person first so Gabe Dean and we all I, I think we already understand we've already spoken about Gabe Dean why uh, he's firmly on the no side but but also he's just kind of on the yes side he's, but I'll talk about that so so Gabe Dean it's it's all sort of like we know people shouldn't use porn uh, because it, it, it kind of removes you from relationships and sort of the, the intimacy you can have with a person. That's kind of, it removes you from that. But he, he, didn't, he didn't think people should be stopped from using porn. It's just about education and uh, probably telling people about the, the, the facts. About it. And I think, I think his kind of point is that if you show people the, the consequences of using porn and what can happen, people won't do it. Because it's the kind of thing with drugs, I think, you know. And like, you, most people know what happens if you take ecstasy or, or smoke weed or, you know, if you smoke a fat doobie, you know something bad might happen or something. I don't know, okay? But I, I feel like it's got that kind of mentality for him, I think, you know, because he, he's went through it. He has become, he's gotten extremely depressed from using porn, from chronic porn use, chronic masturbation. 
and he doesn't want people to go through that. And he, he was on the tour. He was crying at the end of it, where, where we talked about the twenty six screenshots, the the screen the screenshot of the twenty six forums, and the guy saying they were they were thinking about killing themselves because he couldn't handle the post porn depression. So, for him, it's a very emotive subject, and I feel like he would prefer if people didn't. But that, so I'm putting him on the no side. But he's also kind of a yes. He's fi- you can understand why people want to use it. I would say, but he would prefer them not to, and he has his reasons why. So as we know. Um, as you know, he's talking about the the sort of the the sexual deviancy that people can dive into, and the the sort of the um, the sexual deviancy people can dive into, and the sort of um, twisted sort of sexual tastes people can develop as well, which I think is pretty backed up from the statistics that we've seen with the porn hub, with the teen the teen porn categories, and the sort of the um, the huge amount of. Uh, child porn that is uh, widely available on the internet, as shown by the over six hundred twenty-four thousand Pornhub uh, traders, uh, porn child porn traders, not Pornhub traders. So I think that's pretty a pretty strong evidence uh, for Gabe Demore, a uh, principle really. It's from the 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 understood physical and psychological um, impact of chronic masturbation, por- chronic porn use is a reason why we shouldn't really use it in the first place. Because it's it's just overall it's not very helpful. It's a it's a quick fix. I think that uh, shouldn't really be done. But anyway, let's let's look at the religious side of things. So, the the top three religions really, um, well the Abrahamic ones I would say mainly, um, are against porn. Even in the denominations, like I was looking at the the Roman Catholics, the Lutherans, and the Protestants, they all agree that uh, porn pretty much um, isn't really that good and i feel like it comes down to one verse this is the justification came from uh, two verses actually one chapter in one book of the bible which is matthew 5 and this is when jesus gave the beatitudes uh, the sermon on the mount uh, telling them of the new laws or the corrections to the old laws that the pharisees had given and it reads as follows this is from my king james version of the holy bible and so this is from this is if you want if you want to read along at home, it's uh, Matthew chapter five verse twenty seven through twenty eight, and it says, "Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart." So that really uh, for the Christians is the sort of the main sort of uh, uh, the the verse or the the sort of authority where they get from the fact that porn should not be allowed because even to look at a woman in a lustful way is adultery and adultery is a sin so really you can't really do it you know in any sense of the word so lutherians protestants all that jazz they don't really like porn how about how about uh jews and judaism so uh my money my money these Maimonides, the Jewish uh, prophet, wrote basically uh, uh, based on the Talmud that a person who stares at even a small finger of a woman with the intent of deriving pleasure is considered as if he looked at her genitalia. It is even forbidden to hear the voice of a woman with whom sexual relations relations are prohibited or to look at her hair. So, that's pretty cool. Uh, In the Code of Jewish Law... Uh, which includes further pre- prohibitions, 
based on the Talmud, which is, you know, so for the, the book of laws of the Jews, it says, uh, such as watching women as they do the, do the laundry. Accordingly, pornography would be would be forbidden. So, so there, there's a pretty strong, you know, my Maimonides is a pretty uh, influential figure within Judaism. So, there, that's pretty solid. Fathers, pornography is a pretty uh, a no go zone, no bueno for the Jews. Islam, what about it? Uh, Islam, uh, the teachings of Islam are directly opposed to uh, pornography uh, there is the taqwa which uh, guides them which uh, guides them into uh, gain self uh, better self-control so you know porn it does, it's not really about self-control is it? it's more about letting you have what you want there's no real self-control in porn to be honest uh, in the in the objective sense and so so that, that that's kind of opposed to that sort of mentality of self-control for Islam, but then also the Sharia and other such uh, rules of rule books of uh, Islam emphasize guiding, um, uh, not guiding, hiding uh, of private parts. So it's pretty much like you know, don't don't do it. All religions, all the main religions, the Abrahamic ones, are all just kind of like, no, don't, because of uh, adultery and sort of uh, keeping modest, really. Which I I don't think that's bad. That's about bad, to be honest. Thinking about it, you know, like, there's nothing about them saying that it's, it's, um, it's that disgusting or that it's um, completely wrong or any sort of fetish of porn is... Is bad, but what the, the well, there are some that they do declare it be bad, you know, obviously. But it's it's more based on a, it's based on a, an inward sort of thing rather than an outwards thing, you know. It's more of an inwards. Let's have some self control. Let's have some, let's have some dignity and modesty rather than let's go out and and um, be disgusted by everything and be morally superior. It's more about an inward sort of meditation kind of thing that we need better self control. We need to understand that. Um, it comes from a positive aspect of um, wanting self-control because it understands the necessity for a family or the necessity for uh, purity in a sense that, you know, adultery. So with uh, Matthew chapter 5, it's all about um, a, pure, a pure heart and a pure sort of mind to keep a family or together or to keep a relationship together, no adultery, you know. And that is, uh, that's even if it's, even if it's not, physically looking at a woman or touching a woman it's it's looking at a woman from a video or something like that it's it's trying to um it's giving a set of rules that are are pure in heart and not um i don't think it's malicious in any way uh for them for the jews or for the muslims either so i think i think that's an all right um it's an all right line of argument but it's it's a religious one so it's very it's you can't really apply it to everyone really you know, it's um, it requires the belief in the religion, but then, and then again, not necessarily. You can look at that and be like, yeah, I agree with that. I'd probably do that too. You know, to be honest. But the the basis of where it comes from, uh, and a, a sort of uh, like with the Beatitudes, for example, the whole reason you're following them is because Jesus told a bunch of people to do the, these are the new laws. The Pharisees have mistaken these laws. <coughs> <coughs> oh, sorry. I've got a dusty microphone, I think. 
but yes, this is uh, the the Beatitudes. Uh, the the Jesus, Jesus, you have to have a sort of belief that Jesus is the Son of God, because otherwise, why are you why are you following the rules? Then, because he's told you these are the the new laws of God, not the new laws, but these are how they should have been interpreted anyway. And so, so that's mainly the religious side of things. Uh, they also they also have, I would say, a conservative view on things. It's not necessarily religi religious, but it's very linked to religiosity because. Um, conservatism and religiousness are quite um uh closely linked especially the abrahamic ones what with uh sort of political hierarchies you know someone at the top top down sort of thing that's a, a conservative and religious sort of link there but i think that what it boils down to with the conservatives is a sort of um sort of sexual liberal sexual liberalism is bad um, uh, there should be a conservation of purity of a person um, and sort of understanding the sexual significance of virginity and uh, sexual dignity, the importance of it to keep a pure mind, a pure heart, that sort of thing. Uh, it reinforces the value of the family. You know, if you understand, if you very much take seriously uh, the, the sort of sexual dignity that you have and the reasons why you should keep yourself um, sexually... Um, here sexually still i don't know how you'd say it but to conserve yourself as a person really for the right person there's a, a there's the, obviously the counter counter argument which we're going to come to by the liberal side and the feminist sort of side um but your yeah, sexual dignity and it should be you know it should be kept you should keep yourself for a future a future a family a future um future life and and whatnot it's all about um well, it's a conservative. You're conserving something. That's the the whole reason why they're called conservatives. You have to. There is a, a conservation there of either the self or as a cultural standard, you know. And the cultural standard isn't. You don't just not watch porn or you believe in the family for some reason. You believe in the family for the for the 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 benefits or the justifications for that. You know, they believe they believe in the nuclear family or the or um the reason not to watch porn, for example, because they there are there are aspects aspects of that that are beneficial you know sexual dignity you know you have a higher standard for yourself you know when we start to devolve into sexual immodesty and sort of um very deviant sort of sexuality when we um devolved into porn use look at what happened you know we have very we have a lot of fetishes and deviancy that other people would seem would understand to be quite odd and taboo and shouldn't really be allowed you know we have this sort of um, devolution into paedophilia from a sort of predatory nature, as I've already discussed. So it's a very, it's a very, I think for me, it's a very clear-sighted, understandable um, point of view. But I can also see the other side of it as well. On the next point that we have for the the no side of using porn, there, it's kind of weird because these guys would all agree, also agree, quite strongly as well. It really depends on uh, what side of the coin you're looking at, really. But we have the feminists. And so what I would kind of say for feminists on the no side, it's more based on industry, on the industry of it, which I don't, which probably isn't the, the best argument because we're just talking about the principle of, of um, porn. Let's say hypothetically, the porn is ethical and it's okay. But for a feminist in a more practical sense, we're going to say that a feminist would be like, you know, um, let's not use porn because it, it kind of damages women. There is a bit of a, a, a trade, a sex trade going on. Women aren't trapped very very fairly within that industry and it's more set up for them and also presents a kind of 
are looking down upon women, the porn industry really, as I've talked about, the degradation videos. Uh, degradation is very popular within porn, sort of dominance over women. That obviously creates that uh, predatory nature that we have today, which they might reinforce and say is um, creating a rape culture. You know, it's if it's accepted in such a widely, it's like if everyone, if everyone really enjoyed the game baseball, you know, let's or cricket, because we're in England, so it's cricket. Uh, everyone really loves cricket. Now, just imagine if like everyone then just started to have like tennis. No, we'll do tennis, tennis, because people, because people always eat uh, strawberries and cream, don't they? At tennis, that's like the accepted thing. You know, but you wouldn't like so people see it, and it's a, and it's a, and it's it, they're they're doing something that is a part of an accepted part of culture. So they think it's fine, and they, they would do it too. You know, if you go into porn, which is a porn use, which is an accepted part of culture, people just do it. It's accepted amongst adolescents and young teens, and then they see degradation in that thing. They see the strawberries and cream within the tennis match. They think, oh. You know, it's like it's like apples and peanut butter, right? Because I didn't realize that apples and peanut butter go together. But then, I, if I go and see someone eating it, and I'm like, "Oh, whoa, that's that's like a thing," I'm gonna start doing that too because it looks cool, you know. But you don't really. But then, so you might do it and be like, someone might elsewhere do it, look and be like, "Oh, that's disgusting. Why would anyone ever do that? That's absolutely disgusting. How dare you!" Okay, I'm a I'm a fighter for the rights of apples and peanut butter. Get your hands off the jar right now. So I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah. So a feminist might be like, it's if it's it's a part of accepted culture, it's going to create a bad um, attitude towards this kind of thing, and it's going to devolve and it's going to get messy. So I think I think I feel like I covered that point well. I don't know. I saw I was going on some weird tangent run about food and tennis and. Sport. I don't know what I was doing there, but yes. So let's look at the yes side now. This is a quick part. Let's look at the yes side of it. So, so we're gonna look at the the person again, Cindy Gallup. So Cindy Gallup, she runs uh, Make Love Not Porn, uh, subscription based, amateur porn, realistic. It's female friendly. We also have a director, uh, a female friendly director, uh, Erica Lust. I believe she's Swedish. She has written many books and is a feminist porn movie director is what she does. Uh, she's I think she's quite uh, big in the, in the sort of feminist porn industry, but she's pretty big. And so Cindy Gallup and Erica Lust. Uh, Erica Lust, uh, I feel like for for Cindy Gallup, it's more of a, a sort of a business model, business strategy, but also an ethical kind of thing, whereas for Erica Lust, it's more of a, a feminist kind of, well, I guess that's ethical too, uh, a sort of a, a feminist kind of thing, where it's... Um, if we're going to make porn, let's do it right and uh, equally so that both men and women can both enjoy it as equally as much. Which is fair. That's fair. That's chill. Uh, Cindy Gallup, she wants the whole business model of it to change, I guess. Um, it's it's a more um, sort of egalitarian, ethical, hands-on way of viewing porn instead of just anyone uploading the porn to say Pornhub or something, I don't know how they monitor it, but um, uh, they let anything on, really, to be honest. They let most things on, I would imagine. It is a pretty, it's a pretty, um, a, a very broad sort of allowance of topics with 
uh, make love not porn. It's a very uh, closely monitored, uh, vetted sort of process where they only allow very sort of authentic, amateur kind of things that uh, portray a genuine uh, portrayal of what sex is for just a normal couple. Uh, it could be a solo thing, could be a multiple thing, could be whatever. Black, white, interracial, man, woman, man, man, woman, 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 dog. I'd hope not. I'd really hope not. That's the, the neurochemical rush getting to them, I think. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so the, the Cindy Gallup, Eric Lust, they're the kind of people that would uh, disagree. So, so Cindy Gallup would say to Gabe Deem, like, hey, I think the, the main problem, my guy, is just that uh, people are, are watching porn and it's not it's not ethical. It's not showing you what the real kind of sex is. That's wrong. That's a no bueno. Don't do that. Let's watch them. Genuine amateur uh, loving couple. James and James and Mary down the street. They're gonna pop the socks off and go at it for twenty minutes. James only lasts three three minutes. We just um we give it filler. <laughs> we just we just fill the last seventeen minutes. We're like <laughs> see us go moons or something. I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't even know where I just went. I don't know where I am. I'm out of my nut. But yes. So Cindy Gallup would say to Gabe Deem, it's just the 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 kind of portrayal and perspective of porn. Whereas Gabe Deem would be like, no, it's just porn in general. It's the, it doesn't matter the genre, Cindy. All right, Miss Gallup. It doesn't matter the genre. You're gonna you're gonna want that rush more and more every time you watch it. It's like an addiction. It's an arousal addiction. Like back to Phil Zimbardo, arousal addiction. You don't want the same thing. You want to, you're addicted to you're you're not addicted to the same thing like a drug. You're addicted to, to wanting something different every time. You want the rush. It's got to be a bigger rush. You're gonna go down a deviant way because it's more exciting. It thrills you a bit more, and then you're gonna go absolutely nutty. So anyway, yes, feminists again on the yes side. Here's um here's some things. So, so some things we have here. Um, women should be able to pleasure themselves. They should be able to do it. Why not? You know, if they want to do it, let's go do it. If they want to watch whatever they can, they can watch whatever they can. They are free agents. They let them be. Whatever that you can link to the liberal side, which I'm going to do. Uh, you know, f- uh, people should be allowed to enjoy as as a way of taking pride in themselves. Yes, so people can. People should be proud of their sexuality and how they are and who they are, and they can and proud in their gender and they can watch whatever they like when they like. And it's all about freedom and reaffirming themselves and taking a pride in who they are and not being told what they can and can't watch. Watch because who are the deciders? Who decides that? Who decides what is right and wrong and why? Why can I not watch what I like? You know, it's fine if I have a certain fetish. Why can I not watch it? Who are you to tell me what is right and wrong? You know, everything's subjective, man. So that is sort of the feminist perspective we need. It's not that um, porn is necessarily bad. Porn is good. But the way it is now, it is bad. It is, it is a system that support. It's it's mainly made for men. Let's level the playing field. Let's let women enjoy themselves as well. Whereas some feminists would say, um, well, the whole thing is bad, really. Let's just, let's not watch it. Because all we're doing is giving um, to a business that um, it profits men. But then Eric Lust would come in and be like, I'm Swedish. Hello. I was going to try and do a Swedish accent, but I'd just cringe. Uh, I'm Swedish. Hello. Let's uh, let's just support me instead. Let's support Make Love Not Porn, Cindy Gallup. So 
I feel like on the feminist aspect, you could probably just keep watching porn, really. I don't think... Um, or maybe you might want to... It's a patriarch, patriarchal entire structure that needs to be deconstructed fully and then rebuilt up. Maybe. Who knows? That's an argument. But yes, the liberals. Um, people have agency to decide what they want to do. Um, you can do as you please. You know, I'm a liberal. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a liberal. I'm saying, like, I pretend, let's pretend I'm a liberal. Like, I, yeah, let's let people do what they want. Like, everyone's free to do as they please. Why Why should everyone be told what to do, you know? um, It's not hurting anyone. If people understand the consequences, people are given the consequences, they should have the free will to decide what they want to do, which I think is a fair argument, to be honest. But then again, really... Just because you want to do something and, you know, you have the free will to choose it, doesn't mean she'll be allowed to do it, you know? I understand the consequences of of blowing up a bridge. I know I, I might kill people, but I want to do it. But then again, porn doesn't really endanger other people, does it? Doesn't If you're just doing it, it doesn't really endanger, endanger other people. Then again, you are supporting a business that might endanger people. It might hurt people. It might be abuse there. You don't know. So, but then again, that's that this whole conservative and liberal thing, maybe it's just talking about the, the types of porn that people should watch. But probably not. Probably not. A conservative would probably be more no porn at all, really, because it's not bad. It's a bad thing. Liberals would probably say, yeah, true, but let's let's let some porn. And then a conservative, you know, about, well, no, no porn at all. No. And it's just a back and forth. No, yes, no, yes. That's uh, modern politics, really. But yeah. So, a liberal is sort of, a liberal sort of should understand the consequences of, of what that porn use and then have the free will to decide whether or not they want it. A conservative would be more like, see, I don't, I don't, the thing I don't get about this whole kind of do what you like is that surely, surely if you uh, prefer something, and uh, but like, let's just not, let's not put it down with like, I prefer A over B, let's do it like, I prefer like, rape is not legal. Like, surely if you just, like, oh, do what you like, man. Liberals, let's have the freedom to do whatever. Surely, like, there have to be some moral things where you physically, sh- like, I don't get this whole thing where people just believe that, you know, you can't impo- impose your moral standing on other people. Like, the whole point of morality is think this thing is very wrong. Let's not do it. Or this thing's very good. Let's allow that. Because the whole idea of morality is, like, here's the best way to live. You know, I'm trying. It's not a perspective of trying to crush. A conservative doesn't look at things and be like, "I hate everything in the world. Let's stop people from doing it." It's this is the best way to live life. This is I'm trying to help people here by understanding that why this is the best way to live. You know, but then again, there are other ways to do that. You don't have to be forceful with people. So, you know. People don't take too kindly to people imposing things upon them when they don't want it. There has to be some sort of coercion and um, not coercion, but persuasion, really. So I think that rattles it down, really, to kind of um, ideological and principled ideas. I hope that was uh, comprehensive enough. I've tried not to. I hope I, I don't think that was very complex, but I feel like I've covered a lot of bases there. Um, this is going to be the end of the episode. I'm probably going to have to put in the information of the title that there is no economic part of this episode because it's it's probably going to be over two hours 
which isn't it isn't too good. It's not it's not the best. <laughs> but I hope I hope if you are listening to it, if you've gone this far, cheers. That's wicked. Uh, if you've just skipped it and you've landed on this part, um, please go back and listen to the rest of it. But yes, um, I hope this has been informative. I hope it's been interesting. I've learned something. I hope you've learned something. I hope you uh, answered that big question about the, the rape fetish and the rape incest. Uh, not rape incest, rape porn, rape uh, fetish stuff. I think that's a very interesting topic. I think it's really interesting about um, if something depicts something, should it be allowed? You know? And that kind of comes into jokes. You know, if you're joking about doing something, you joke about raping someone. Is that the same as actually rape? Language. Language. Language and ideas. Is language violence? Hmm. Very interesting. But yes. So please tune in next time for episode four. This would be uh, some time later. Um. I think that's everything, really. I think that's all the things. We're very close to the 30-minute the limit on this part right now, so I tried to stretch it out just at the last moment. But no, I've been Brendan. This was episode uh, three of the Ungenius podcast. I'll probably, I'll probably, I, I, I think I might make a social media account for this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'll figure that out. I'll figure that out at some point in time. But yes, if you do, if you would like to follow me on Instagram, it is Roberts, B Roberts underscore 26 uh, on Instagram. That's where you can see information about the Ungenius podcast. I've been Brendan. This is episode three. Please tune in next time. It's been very fun doing it. I'm definitely going to be back into it. This has been exciting. I love doing the research. It's very interesting. I feel that I need to be more, I need to be more, more comprehensive, more informative next time, but also shorten it down so it's not two hours long. But yes. I think that's the end of the episode. Have fun. And thank you for listening. Because I just want to say, on the analytics, there were like people from Ireland and Australia. I thought it was very interesting because I I don't know how they got to this podcast. But hello. G'day, g'day. Oh, God. But yes, thank you for listening. I'm Brendan. And tune in next time. Also listen to the other ones if you haven't. Please, thank you. Goodbye. Bye. See you. Bye.